0: Welcome to episode 35 of the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Dockerty. So I'm going to ask you, how are you, even though we just sat and recorded a previous episode. <laughs> yeah. Anything going on? Anything exciting?
1: Since the last time we talked, I opened a, a seltzer water. That's good. <laughs> I'm obsessed with- I know you love with, the seltzer
0: water. I do. I'm
1: obsessed with polar- seltzer water black cherry period really just send me as many as you can girl <laughs> first of all it's so hit or miss if it's ever at the store which makes it me even want it even more they have plain they'll have lime i'm like Ugh, you know but black cherry is the best and so this week it's buy one get one at Publix. <gasps> so you load it up i got six cases no. and i wanted to get more like supermarket sweep style bitch oh my god build that cart up sweep. and get the fuck out but I, uh, Mary texted me after I put a picture up of it. I'm like, this is what happens when it's buy one, get one. And she was like, oh, this is so funny. And I was like,
0: uh, trust that I'm going back tomorrow. Oh my God. I, I would
1: look like a total jerk to get 20, but I love them so much.
0: Guess what? I've never had a polar, uh, this is, seltzer water ever. So here's the thing. I I've love- done this, the, you know, which one you're going to hear me say. LaCroix. No. Oh. San Pellegrino, girl. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about your
0: roots. <laughs> I love seltzer the water, Santa but La green. You want a Santa La Green?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But this one is very good because it's it's a very light cherry flavor. I've had other like bubbly or whatever. This is they're too sweet. I don't wanna to sw- I I don't wanna taste like candy. This is a very light seltzer flavor cherry. Okay, so it's okay. very good. I'm gonna have to try it. Yes. I love it. To,
0: I'm gonna have to explore. Yes. I've just been I did the polls. I'm going to do the polls again. Yeah, you're working the polls for some candidates or a candidate. A candidate right now. Yeah. And I'm just rooting for her so much.
1: Listen, well, this is coming out the 26th, so we'll know (gasps) Uh, whether she's elected. Even the last episode, we would have (laughs) known if she was elected. but You know, I've... All uh, signs point
0: to, yes. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yeah. I'm very disillusioned with all of this. I feel like the more we get involved, the more I hate all of this stuff. Yeah, And I... A lot of it has to do with just people who are so short-sighted in this process, people who support candidates that aren't Democrats, which is what I'm looking for, who have power to make change and then yes. they use their, their platform or whatever to be assholes. And it could be anything. It could be from a newspaper endorsement mm-hmm. to somebody who thinks they're powerful and they need to talk to the cans before, you know, just stupid motherfuckers who yeah. are, don't see the forest for the trees. And it's... It's it's a shame. It is. Especially because you see candidates that are so ready right? Right, and, and have, have such,
0: and have such potential to do amazing things. Yeah. And the nature of politics is that, you know, people aren't given a shot like that right. these, and, and people who should be supporting become barriers. Yeah. And that's the thing that's and disappointing. It's
1: also disappointing. And I get it
0: because they're like, well, if the person ends up winning, then I don't want to lose favor with that person. And it's like, but you still have to maintain integrity. Yeah. And I feel like, can't you just be honest and say, you know, I'm sorry, like, yeah, you've been great, but I got to, I want to support this person within my party or I I don't know. I mean, I'm not in it because I'm not an elected official to know the ins and outs of maintaining those relationships, but the integrity piece is the thing that's been disappointing to me. Mm -hmm. All right. I know you
1: have. uh, The other part too, that bothers me is that we don't support candidates that are first time candidates that are running and they're dismissed and that bothers me, especially right. if they're young. It's bullshit right. because I, it's,
0: they don't have experience. Well, how are you going to get experience <laughs> unless you get elected, especially if they're running against people who don't do anything and have been
1: there so long that they don't even have the passion for the job anymore. And if that's the right. case, then they shouldn't be there. And so why aren't you looking at this other person? And what I have noticed is that these younger candidates are coming very, very close In endorsement processes and in support. And so these other candidates, I know they need to watch out and they don't have the majority in Tallahassee, but they can at least act like their pants are on fire because their jobs are at stake. Yeah. If they want to continue doing this, then actually do
0: something. Yeah, But they think some of these candidates think that they can just maintain or slide into the spot because they had it Mm -hmm. and that they don't have to work for it. Yeah.
1: And I think they've genuinely genuinely been have been shocked in this last endorsement rounds that they're not getting endorsements. Yeah. Good. Cuz they have to get a certain percentage to get them and they're not getting it. Good.
0: Mm. Wake up call.
1: Okay, let's start because my story's long and I okay. need to get this thing going. Okay. Okay, I'm so sorry. I I have so much anxiety when we have when I have a long story cuz I feel like it's going everybody will lose interest. No, it.
0: it's good. I mean, we're listen. This is the cliffhanger. It reminds me of the, <laughs> the the episodes in the '80s that would you know tune in next week to be continued. Yes. <laughs> so,
1: um, okay. So last, so today I'm going to talk about the occupation of the Mahler National R- Wildlife Refuge. So this Ooh. is a continuation of episode 34 when I talked about Dwight and Stephen Hammond, who had been prosecuted for arson on federal land in Birds, Oregon they had been uh their cattle farmers they are now out and they're back to doing their cattle ranching but they had been arrested and sentenced to prison to five years in prison but it was brought on they were resentenced, and this started to get the attention of a lot of people including amon bundy so a little background on amon bundy amon bundy is best known as the son of clive bundy a cattle rancher in nevada he had, was having a dispute with the the Bureau of Land Management, the same people that uh, the Hammonds were having disputes right. with. They were having disputes for over 20 years over
0: land grazing rights. So the oh same God, The thing, same issue, same right? Issue. We want to let the cattle graze. We don't want to get a permit yes. or the land is protected, yes. et cetera. Yes. Cliven and his son, Eamon
1: Bundy, and their supporters have claimed that the federal government lacks the authority to manage public lands. These arguments have been repeatedly rejected by legal scholars and federal courts, including the U.S. Supreme Court. The Property Clause of the United States Constitution grants uh, authority to Congress to manage federal property, including land. Yes. Um, this all culminated in 2014 with an armed standoff with the Bureau of Land Management. Okay. Because, this is, yeah. So
0: this beca- is the story that is so good. Yes. I can't wait to, let me buckle in. Well, this, in. so
1: wait, this one that I'm talking about is where the Bundys had their problems in Nevada. Right. This is before they come over to Oregon. But okay. because Bundy declined to, Clive and Bundy re- declined to renew his grazing permit with, BLM, with the BLM to use BLM administered land on March 27, 2014. 145,604 acres of federal land in Clark County were temporarily closed for the quote capture, impound, and removal of trespass cattle end quote, which was Bundy's oh, cattle. Oh,
0: so they let their cattle go, and now they're like, guess what, you can't have now access. We're, we're going to gather it up and return it to you. That's right. Oh. So
1: BLM officials and law enforcement rangers began a roundup of livestock on April 5th, and an arrest was made the next day.
0: That's a lot of work. It's a lot it's a of roundup work. To round up ca- cattle. Now these guys got to go round up your cattle, because yeah. you can't just follow the rules. So um, on April 12th, a group of protesters, some of them armed,
1: advanced on what the BLM described as a cattle gather. Oh, gosh. Sheriff Doug Gillespie negotiated with Bundy and newly confirmed BLM director Neil Corn- Cornsey, who elected to release the cattle to de-escalate the situation. So they basically got what they wanted, yeah. right? Um, as of the, at the, as of the end of 2015, Bundy continued to graze his cattle on federal land and had not paid the fees. The court battle has continued for years and is still going on. So, so like, this is who we're dealing with. Yes. Okay. So folks, they they don't believe that the federal government can own land and shouldn't be involved in local, which is basically what they think is state affairs. Um, on another note, (laughs) uh, Cliven Bundy has, and his son, Amen, have said some pretty racist things um it doesn't
0: surprise me no
1: and they're really like especially clive and bundy has said some things about um black folks and communities of color that is so abhorrent i would never repeat them but like really really bad and gross and it's just they hearken back to a day when you know, i don't I, I don't know it's just, it's fucked up so anyway in late 2015 the hammond's case in right. oregon attracted the attention of amon bundy and ryan payne In November 2015, Bundy and his associates began publicizing the Hammonds case via social media. So this guy, Eamon Bundy, because of what was happening in Nevada on his dad's ranch, he started to get attention on social media, Facebook in particular, where he started this like, anybody who had these problems, he would air them out, he would talk about their cases, and he was like, we should all be supporting each other.
0: And banding together against the government. Yes. Like, this is
1: what we should be doing. We should be
0: showing up and showing support. Ranchers Unite.
1: Yes, um, so despite several several early meetings with Bundy and Payne, the Hammonds eventually rejected their offers of assistance. Okay, so the Hammonds okay. want nothing to do with these guys. They want to serve their time and get get, get out of yeah, jail, right? They
0: don't have time for the. They're in want, jail, yeah. yeah.
1: They don't want to be, uh, you know, poster boys for this bullshit. Yeah. So on November fifth, two thousand fifteen, Eamon Bundy called Harney County. David Sheriff David Ward who's Harney County of course is in Oregon and arranged a meeting later that same day at the meeting Eamon Bundy and Montana militiaman Ryan Payne insisted to Sheriff Ward that Ward must shield Dwight and Stephen Hammond against a re-imprisonment um Ward recalled that when he explained that he did not have the authority to shield the Hammonds from oh a lawful sentence Bundy's and Payne's de- demeanor became threatening Payne told Ward that if he did not shield the Hammonds from imprisonment, thousands of armed militiamen would come to the county to do Ward's job for him. And And Payne pointedly noted that he might not be able to control what else the militia might do.
0: I mean, that's a major also, threat right yeah, there. It
1: is. And remember, this is a county where the cows, the cattle, out- outnumber number 14 to 1. There's 7,700 yes. people in this huge county. They're all spread out. And now this,
0: this militia's going to roll yeah, in. Now all
1: these fucking wackadoos are going to, oh, oh, God. I can't imagine what the sheriff was just yeah. like, holy fuck. So by late fall, local, state, and federal law enforcement agencies noticed that members of anti-government militias had started to relocate. To Harney County, oh, no. and the US FWS, which is the fi- um field, um the Fish and Wildlife Service, yes. began circulating a photograph of Eamon Bundy with instructions for staff to be on the lookout. By early December 2015, Bundy and Payne had
0: moved to Burns, Oregon. Like moved their yes. family. This, this is this is the st- story I, n- yeah. I I recall.
1: Like, they're now setting up camp there to do this.
0: Well, and they they are there for a specific purpose. Yes. Oh, my Lord.
1: And nobody asked them to be there. The Hammonds are like, we don't want your help. Why are you, you know, please don't do this. Um, But there's some attraction to this being public like this. Like, they like this attention or something. So... The same month, they organized a meeting at the Harney County Fairgrounds to rally support for their efforts. At the meeting, a, quote, Committee of Safety was organized by Bundy and Payne to orchestrate direct action against the Hammond sentences. According to the group's website, the Harney County Committee of Safety considers itself, quote, a governmental body established by the people in the absence of the ability of the existing government <laughs> to provide for the needs and protections <sighs> of civilized society, end quote. Now, listen. This is the kind of bullshit that was happening during the Civil War. Yes, right, where we would be like, you are, um, what is it? Not terrorists. What am I thinking? What am I thinking? Someone who goes up against the government, treasonous. Yes, yes, uh, treason. Yes, 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 yes. This is not
0: this. You you don't. Anarchy, treason. Yes. yes. Well, to me, it's terrorism. Yes. This is domestic terrorism. Yes. And and.
1: And what really I want uh you and anybody else listening to think about is how differently they're treated than if, because they're white. Oh, 100%. Armed and white and yes. treated like in a way that is so unbelievably unfair when it comes to how uh yeah, these people these, of color are treated in these this situations. This is
0: domestic terrorism and they should have yeah. had the full force of the law.
1: Yes. For and domestic terrorism. It is terrorism. shocking how long this draws out. Yeah. Without As, in, in, in peacefully like, it does end in a not a peaceful way, but, like, it is fucked up how long this draws out. Yes. And they're having discussions. Like, what please, the fuck? Please, please. Yeah.
0: It's, so. It's, the hypocrisy is And disgusting. the fact that these
1: guys think they can do it is steeped in white privilege. You yes. know, the fact that they can roll into town and think With they can all do these, all of this. With
0: all these weapons. I, I can't yes. stand this. I can't stand it.
1: So, from mid-November to late December 2015, local residents began to notice significant numbers of outsiders in the community, often dressed in military-style attire
0: and openly carrying
1: handguns and sometimes
0: rifles. That's scary. I mean, they are are threatening people by their very presence, and they know... That, that That is what they're doing.
1: Some of these armed newcomers engaged in what local people considered threatening and harassing behavior, such as approaching shoppers in local stores and aggressively asking their opinions about the Hammond <gasps> family. Many local people consider these actions to be deliberate intimidation intended to sway the community into joining the outsider's unspecified plan to, quote, protect the Hammonds from re-arrest. Meanwhile, the, the Hammonds are already voluntarily going. They're already going to prison. Like, they don't You know, again, I can't stress that enough that these guys did not want this. As kooky as their bullshit is with the arson. Contrary to local customs, some residents began carrying guns in public locations. Many lived in fear that some kind of violent event was about to take place. Mm. On November 30th, 2015, the U.S. uh, Fish and Wildlife uh, staff members at Mulher National Wildlife Refuge were dismissed early from work. With tensions rising in nearby Burns, Oregon, supervisors left staff with the final instruction not to return to the refuge unless
0: explicitly instructed. Oh my God, because they know that th- this is escalating yeah. to something potentially and getting, very dangerous. I believe
1: they were getting calls threatening there, you oh know. Oh my God. According to the spouses and children of several federal employees and local police, they had been followed home or to school by vehicles <gasps> with out-of-state license plates. Right. You're so, going to follow kids to school? I mean, come on. I know. Well, they're trying to intimidate. Oh. Um, On January 1st, 2016, a forum held at the Harney County Fairgrounds was attended by about 60 local residents and members of militias. A Burns area resident who organized the event described it as an opportunity to diffuse tensions that had been simmering between locals and out-of-town militia in the preceding days. The event alternated between expressions of sympathy for the Hammonds and suggestions that a peaceful rally could be beneficial. That same day... Eamon Bundy posted a YouTube video. And in this YouTube video, he said, quote, the Lord was not pleased with what was happening to the Hammonds. Oh. If we allowed the Hammonds to continue to be punished, there would be, there would be accountability.
0: Oh, so he, I didn't this realize is all that the he Lord's could, work. yeah, I didn't realize that he had a direct he, connection to he, yes, God and God he said is this, whispering in his ear. Yeah. This oh. was
1: divine intervention that he okay. was there. That's, that's what he was hey. telling people. Okay. So we're ta- again, talking about somebody on yeah, this mean, other a little cuckoo Ooh, girl. So on January 2nd, a rally of about 300 people gathered in a Safeway supermarket parking lot in Burns organized by the Pacific Patriots network, a militia umbrella organized, or I'm sorry, organization that includes the three percenters of Idaho. Oh, the, those are interesting folks. You should go look them up. A group that, <sighs> that began in 2008 after the election of Obama, because they thought he was going to take away their guns, all white, Yes. Dudes who thought their guns would be taken away. You don't need your
0: guns. <laughs> Meanwhile, he didn't do anything to take I your know. guns away. <laughs> he did nothing, but okay. Oh, my God. Members of the, the Pacific. Second Amendment is just such a, mm. a thorn. Well, thorn in the side of all of this. Sorry, go ahead. Members of the
1: Pacific um, Patriots Network had been active in Harney County since November, drawn there by the Hammond arson case. Following speeches, the crowd marched to the home of Dwight and Stephen Hammond, stopping briefly en route to protest outside the sheriff's office and the county courthouse. The the crowd then returned to the Safeway parking lot and broke up. According to KOIN, the CBS-affiliated television station in Portland, Oregon, there was, quote, no visible police presence at any point. Oh, Lord. Yeah.
0: So Meanwhile, they're just you on see their a protest own. in Fort Lauderdale. Those oh, police please. show up in two
1: fucking seconds. So
0: I mean, this is, this is it's, it's wrong. I know. And you know they're armed, right? Yes, this is wrong. They, they I know. It's so, such, it's oh my God.
1: I know. So here we go. Before the protest crowd broke up, Eamon Bundy announced to the crowd his plan to occupy the Malheur National Wildlife Refuge, and he encouraged people to join him. So as I mentioned in the last episode, yeah. I'm going to say it again. The Malher National Wildlife Refuge is located in Harney County. It was established in 1908 by President Theodore Roosevelt, a conservationist. Um, it is one of the premier sites for birds and birding in the U.S. And it brings the tourism that this refuge brings into the county is $15 million it's a year. a lot year. of money. It's a lot of year. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of money per year. So especially for a local economy that doesn't have a lot of people. Yeah, you know, that's, that's their, a lot of money. It's a lot of money. That's keeping that place going. But it's also where all of these federal organizations have their offices that requires permits for grazing and fire burns and things like that. So that's the that's why we're going to occupy these buildings. So his announcement surprised a Pacific Patriots uh, rally organizer who later said stated he felt betrayed because he had no idea.
0: Oh, he's like, yeah, let's have this rally. And then, well, he turned into, I mean, look at who he's dealing with. Well, yeah. So have to know and, who you're dealing with.
1: Yeah. Eamon and Ryan Bundy, who's his brother, along with armed associates, separated from the crowd and proceeded to the refuge headquarters located 30, 30 miles south of Burns. The militants settled into the refuge and set up defense positions.
0: My God. Right before... I remember this. This is...
1: So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's scary. It is scary. Right before the occupation began, the militants notified the Harney County Sheriff's Office and also contacted a utility company with the intention of taking over the refuge's... Refuge's... Um, Electric and other services, which I thought was funny. Oh, gonna, okay. We'll pay the the light bill yeah. and the water bill. Just keep it on for us, huh? The law enforcement <laughs> kept away from the refuge, but various security measures were taken in surrounding areas. Again, this plus, is the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah, okay. Well, and
0: Plus, I'm wondering if the so, police even felt like they had a handle on how. They didn't. They really did it not it's, act it's,
1: quickly or swiftly. But do they
0: even have the manpower to. Probably not. Other you sheriff's
1: office, I think, I believe, I, I get to it, but like other sheriffs they were have sending to come in. as yeah, many stemming. people as they could. Yeah, but the roads in and out of this place, they kind of set up down the road, but like they couldn't approach the place. There was so, and they really didn't know where these guys were. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's a lot. Property. It's a lot of land. It's a lot. Oh my god. Um,
0: I know. Yeah, and I would imagine they would be at certain points of entry. Yes. So and there's only so many ways you can yeah. get in, and because oh it also butts up against other people's
1: land like the hammonds yeah. right so upon hearing of the occupation at the wildlife refuge the two ranchers dwight and stephen hammond on whose behalf the militants were acting disavowed the action. <laughs> they're like get out three percenters of idaho militia disclaimed involvement claiming the occupation was a small splinter action of these other you Oh please right? you know
0: but 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 their work is what allows for these and not jobs to it even do this them, yes give me a break
1: On January 2nd, the militia leaders claimed to have 150 armed members at the site, though one journalist reported that no more than a dozen armed militants were on the site,
0: and another reported a claim that there were between 6 and 12 people. Okay, so he's he's (laughs) taking a page out of the Trump (laughs) handbook of we're just going to amp up those numbers. Um, On (laughs) January
1: 3rd, the Oregonian, Oregonian... I hope I'm saying that right. The newspaper said there were roughly 20 to 25 people present and the militants had deployed into defensive positions. Ryan Bundy stated that the militant group wanted the Hammonds to be released and for the federal government to relinquish control of the Malheur National Forest. This is a terrorist act. Yeah. On January third, Eamon Bundy said the ultimate goal of the militants was to quote, get the e- economics here in the county revived for logging and outdoor recreation. What? What? It's the already fuck? it's already coming in you? fifteen million. And how do you even know? And who, any, wouldn't you be terrified to go to this place now? Yeah, like, I'm never going. <laughs> yeah, going to this place on January
0: go go by a, a checkpoint. Oh my with god, with armed people. Yeah, no, I'm just
1: I'm just here to go canoeing. I swear, please. So <laughs> also, what happened is they shut down the schools. <gasps> because they were afraid the, the the county was afraid that if they're taking over this place like who knows we yes. could protect our kids our teachers like oh, we have to make sure everybody's out of these places where they could possibly walk in and take over they didn't know what these guys were going to do mm-hmm. on january 4th uh the militants announced a formal name for their group citizens for constitutional freedom oh god steven gratsky Uh, The judge executive of Harney County emailed Eamon Bundy requesting that he leave the refuge, which was in response was like all these 100 like FU emails from Eamon Bundy. (laughs) Harney County Sheriff David Ward then requested the Bundys and others to leave, requesting them to leave. This would never
0: happen. But you know why this this is is happening too.
1: This is also happening because of Ruby Ridge. It's happening because of Waco. Like now we have to be very, very careful. These guys have their
0: families there.
1: Yeah, you know they have women and children there. Like, what are you doing? In
0: response to,
1: and they don't know what
0: level of crazy they're dealing with. Exactly. Yeah.
1: In response, so when they were asked to leave, Ryan Bundy said that he wasn't convinced Ward spoke. For all the people in the county. In a public meeting held on January 6th at the Harney County Fairgrounds, nearly every per- attending person, according to Oregon Public Broadcasting, raised their hands when Ward asked who thought the militants should leave. <laughs> Ward then offered to escort the militants to the county line if they would oh, depart come voluntarily. On. Family members members of the militants were present at the refuge during the occupation, including a minor son of Eamon Bundy, as well as the children of some of the visitors sympathetic to the militia.
0: Oh, come on. On
1: January 7th, Sheriff Ward and other local sheriffs met with Eamon Bundy and Ryan Payne 20 miles from the site of the occupation. This really fucking ticks me off. They met with them several times. These guys would go to church on Sunday during this whole thing. They would go to church. Give me a break! How are you not arresting them when that happens? Yes, and getting them and get to them out. out. That's I like don't the know. best opportunity. They're peacefully meeting with these guys. Give me a break. Um, This is is such garbage. These are terrorists. I know. Domestic (laughs) terrorists. Sheriff Ward repeated his earlier offer to escort the militants out of the county. Bundy rejected the offer, saying the occupation would continue until management of federal land in the county had been turned over to local residents. By January 10th, an influx of armed groups and individuals was rotating through burns, with some declaring they were there to support the occupation, others there trying to convince the militants to quit. Some militants, meanwhile left the occupation completely like some people were just coming in, you know they were coming in and out of the place and <laughs> bringing supplies by the oh. way bring yeah, here, supplies here's some toilet paper here's yeah. some food On January 11th, the militants removed a stretch of fence between the refuge and an adjacent (gasps) ranch, apparently to give the adjacent ranch access to the land that had been blocked for years. Come on. But the ranch owners did not want the fence taken down and subsequently repaired
0: it. Oh, well, that's good. Because they're like, we don't, don't get us involved because they, they, they they see the future and they're like, we're not going to get arrested because we went along with these militants. Yes. Come on.
1: The militants began searching through government documents stored for proof of government wrongdoing toward local ranchers. This is my favorite person, wow. Bruce Doucette, the owner of a computer repair shop in Denver, Colorado, and a self-proclaimed judge, oh. announced on January 12th that he would convene a, quote, citizen's grand jury well, to charge government officials with various crimes set's claims to be a judge are consistent with legal frauds often practiced by the sovereign citizen movement and other anti-government movements. Oh,
0: oh, I'm, you just say you're a judge. Yeah. Do you just do, would you say three times? I am a judge. Yeah. I am a judge. I am a judge. Boom. And you're a judge? Yes. Okay. Hey. Harlan County <laughs> Judge Stephen
1: Gratzky, Sheriff Ward, and other county officials oh were served God. with false legal documents by the militants. Oh my God.
0: <laughs> they had their own government, though. Oh um, my God. This is like, this is, this is i don't even know what this is this is ridiculous i know it's embarrassing i know it's embarrassing
1: but they're they feel like they're right god has sent them to yeah. do these things uh okay so on january 15th the oregon state police arrested a militant at the safeway in burns who had been driving a government stolen vehicle from the refuge headquarters <laughs> this is what i'm saying they're going to the stores they're going they're leaving yeah also on january 15th the oath keepers an anti-government militia group warned of a prospective conflagration so great it cannot be stopped leading to a bloody brutal civil war if the situation descended into violence so that's see these are the things that are stopping them from going
0: because they're forward. like oh my god if we arrest you guys if we do this then people they're the the team behind is gonna right and it'll start be killing. their fault if they right. didn't listen they don't I know um you you can't you can't negotiate with terrorists that's the thing i know <laughs> On
1: January 16th, Lavoy Vinicum, one of the militants, told the Washington Post that, quote, it needs to be very clear that these buildings will never, ever return to the federal government, <clears throat> end quote, reiterating the group's demands for the federal government to cede ownership of the wildlife refuge. Oh, the militants God. began to vandalize the property, which <gasps> local community leaders characterized as an attempt to provoke violent confrontation. A video released by the militants showed them inspecting... Oh, God, Tina, hold on yourself. Oh no. Showed them inspecting a locked storage room for archaeological artifacts <gasps> held in agreement with the Burns Piyote no. Tribe, an Indian nation in <gasps> Harney County, no. leading the tribe to ask the federal authorities to block the passage of occupiers to the site. Like, now they're, you know, this is sacred land right. here, right? Like, they're taking these artifacts that are locked up oh in this God. refuge.
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. How long did this go on? 41 days. Th- that's, that's 40 days too long. Yeah. It's forty. Days. I agree. Where is the federal bring in the the army and just get them out? No. Where is the federal government just fly in there and get them out? Get such bullshit. The fire chief
1: of Har- of the county of uh what's the county called again? Um Har Harman County whatever. He actually resigned because he sided with these. Oh elephants. come on! He resigned his position. The chief. Mm, maybe that's what we're that's part of it too is like how what are we gonna have in our hands if we do go in here and all these people agree with them like it I doesn't matter
0: get out i know i know get out
1: it's all political maybe send,
0: send a message and go in there and get them out
1: that was very mob like <laughs> send them a message <laughs> get them out um on january 19th amon bundy and several other militant occupiers uh, appeared unannounced at a community meeting in burns without addressing the crowd residents urged an end to the occupation as, as did rallies Uh, held by opponents in Eugene and Portland, Oregon, and in Idaho. On January 21st, Bundy met with the FBI and discussed with them about relinquishing federal government control of the refuge as well as the releases of Dwight and Stephen Hammond. He agreed to meet with the FBI again on the next day, but when the meeting occurred, Bundy left when the agent present declined to negotiate in front of the media which is exactly what this is about, you understand. It's about him being famous. He doesn't give a fuck about this refuge. He doesn't care about the Hammonds. He wants to be a
0: ruler of the new world. Give me a break. Yes.
1: Okay, so here we go. During the first weeks, law enforcement allowed the militants to come and go from the refuge at will. On January 26th, the main leaders attempted to drive two vehicles to adjacent Grant County, Oregon, where Ryan Payne was invited by a Canyon City, Oregon logger to speak at a public meeting which I think maybe was a trap. That would have been, right. that would have been awesome, but okay. Um, <laughs> it was the first time in which the main leaders were traveling together from the refuge headquarters. State and federal authorities used the opportunity to intercept them with a traffic stop on a stretch of U.S. Route 395 situated from, away from populated areas. The militants' convoy consisted of a white 2015 Dodge Ram, Dodge Ram driven by Vinicum, or Finicum, followed by a dark-colored Jeep. Vehicles driven by the FBI and the Oregon state police pulled in behind the Jeep. The driver of the Jeep pulled over and he and his passengers, Eamon Bundy and Brian Cavalier surrendered peacefully and were taken into custody.
0: It's Good. about
1: time. Yes. Finicum kept driving Uh-oh. followed by the authorities, but eventually stopped with police cars behind his truck. The police launched a round of 1.6 inch foam nosed, uh, pepper spray in at the vehicle Ryan Payne exited Finicum's truck and surrendered peacefully, also surrendering a handgun holstered on his right hip. Shauna Cox, a passenger in Finicum's truck, recorded cell phone video of Finicum shouting to police that he intended to ignore their orders and drove away. <laughs> Other cell phone video footage showed, shot by Ryan Bundy, another passenger, also showed Finicum taunting officers and daring them to shoot and kill him. About 7 minutes after stopping his truck, Vinicum resumed driving north at high speed. Cox, Ryan Bundy, and 18-year-old Victoria Sharp were still in the rear seat of the truck at this time. Mm. They were subsequently pursued by officers and eventually encountered a roadblock about 1 mile later. This video, you can watch this video. I can't wait. It's fucking insanity when he comes apart this around this <sighs> to this roadblock. An Oregon All state All of this
0: money and time. Yeah. It's, oh, the money! Ridiculous. The money!
1: An Oregon State Police SWAT member identified in the trial of FBI agent Adistario, as- which we will get to, as Officer One, fired three shots with an AR-15 into Vinicum's <gasps> truck as it approached the roadblock. Dang! Vinicum steered off the pavement to the left shoulder to ev- evade the roadblock, embedded his truck into a roadside snowbank. So this huge side of the road was huge uh. pile of snow. Right? He he drives the truck into that. Two Oregon state police officers and four FBI agents were posted at the roadblock with one of the FBI agents nearly being run over by Finnicum's truck. Wow. Finnicum soon exited and began walking away from his truck into the snow, okay, briefly but- raising and lowering his hands above his head. While Finnegan was leaving his truck, an a FBI hostage rescue team member allegedly fired two shots, one of which entered the truck and ricocheted, ricocheted, inflicting uh, the minor sh- shrapnel wound on Ryan Bundy, who is still in the truck. Uh, Oregon State Police Officers and FBI agents armed with rifles positioned themselves to the left, while an Oregon State Police Officer equipped with a non-lethal taser walked downhill from an embankment toward him. So I think they had other people like in... Yeah. You know, surrounding yeah. so
0: that they can come in.
1: Yes. In case they jumped out of the vehicle yes. and ran. Yes. As the officer with the taser attempted to move within 15 feet to make the most effective use of the taser, Finicum turned his body to the left, holding his jacket with his left hand Uh-oh. and reaching for a pocket <gasps> with his right hand. He was then shot twice in the back by an Oregon state police SWA I mean, he's, member. He's
0: making, he's gesturing yeah. towards a weapon potentially. Yeah.
1: Right. Uh, from the roadblock identified as officer one, and once by officer two from the pursuit vehicle, he dies. They killed him. Uh, and that video is insane. Ugh. You do see him moving. Like yeah. it's, it's from a helicopter point of view, but like you see him moving, going up and down. Like yeah. Immediately after the shooting and arrest, officials stated that Finnicum was reaching for a handgun in his pocket when he was shot by a state trooper. The FBI found a loaded 9mm Ruger SR9, a gift from his stepson, oh in Vinicum's God. left jacket pocket.
0: Well, there you go. Yeah. It just surrender. Mm. I mean, you're going to bite was an the an older FBI. guy.
1: Like, it was so... Ugh. Both uh, of the Bundy brothers and, and three mil- other militants were arrested. They faced, quote, federal felony charges of conspiracy to impede federal officers from discharging their official duties through the use of force, intimidation, or threats, end quote. The driver of the Jeep and Victoria Sharp, a passenger, in Finicum's truck were released without charges. Medical assistance was given to Finicum approximately 10 minutes after the shooting. Prior to the video of the action being released, some of the militants and supporters had claimed that Finicum was cooperating with the police when he was shot. Mm -hmm. This included a claim by Nevada Assemblywoman Michelle Fiore, who was not present at the arrest, that he was just murdered with his hands up. Oh, come on. This woman... She's now on my list. I oh, can't I've, even fucking I've tell you.
0: Heard this lady's name. Oh my
1: lord! Yes, she was heavily involved in all this bullshit. Ugh, because she's from Nevada, where the Bundys are from, and yeah. she was all involved in that. Clive and Bundy was quoted as saying that Vin- Vinicum was quote sacrificed for a good purpose. End oh. quote. Why at weren't a,
0: Why weren't you sacrificed? Yeah, we're,
1: Why weren't you there <laughs> at a news conference? Officials held initial. Officials had initially declined to comment on the Vinicum shooting because the encounter was still under investigation, but they later, later released surveillance video of the incident, which officials said shows Vinnicomb reaching for a handgun after feigning surrender. But Vinicum's family continued to dispute the nature of the shooting, claiming that he was shot in the back while his hands were in the air and denied the FBI's assertion that Vinicum was armed at the time of his death. Vinicum's public... Autopsy was performed on January 28th, but officials withheld the autopsy report from the press until March 8th. The Vinicum family commissioned a private autopsy, but declined to make the results public. Three others were arrested in separate actions. Peter Santilli and Joseph O'Shaughnessy were arrested locally, while John Ritzheimer was placed under arrest by the FBI in Peora, Arizona, after he voluntarily surrendered. So after all these arrests there were still four militants occupying the wildlife refuge building from jail. Eamon Bundy told these militants to surrender peacefully, but Mm -hmm. it would be another 16 days before they would surrender. And it took many negotiations. And finally, I mean, this thing went back and forth, back and forth forth, where they said they were going to, and then they were scared to come out. I mean, it was like,
0: it was bullshit. We're scared.
1: Um, finally, Reverend Franklin Graham, and Nevada Congressman Michelle Fiore on the loudspeaker outside of the wildlife center was able to get them to come out.
0: Oh, this is ridiculous! I know. This is like they're handling these these guys with kick gloves. I know. Can you? If it believe was this? anyone else, and they didn't get domestic terrorism charges.
1: Oh, we'll get to the charges. Okay. The final arrest of the twenty six militants indicted for felony conspiracy was of Travis cox and took place on april 12th in cedar city utah so a lot of these guys left but they're like we're coming back for you yes (laughs) right please at sentencing on august 7th 2017 20 year old cox uh, the youngest of all those indicted described his own behavior as arrogant and ignorant oh he had several he had served 51 days in pretrial custody before making bail U.S. District Judge Anna J. Brown said about him, I think it's important to note, if my memory is correct, you're the first person who acknowledged that this was a mistake. Yes. <laughs> no, everybody else is like, who cares? Yeah. She sentenced him to two months of house arrest. Okay. Um, by August 7th, 11 occupiers had pleaded guilty to felony conspiracy to impede federal workers.
0: But no, t- terrorism, they should have been charged as domestic terrorists. Mm. They should have. I hear you. They really should have. That's a big mistake.
1: All right, we'll get to their charges and to their sentencing but first let's see what happens back at this refuge right so following the surrender of the last militants the fbi labeled the entire refuge a crime scene and canvassed the buildings in search of explosives and any previously existing hazardous materials a collection of firearms and explosives were found inside the refuge safes were found to have been broken into (gasps) with money with money cameras and computers stolen by the militants no yeah so, no. so great upstanding guys. Yes. Yeah?
0: Well, they, listen, they got to restart their government. They need stuff. They got <laughs>
1: they, they were also found to have badly damaged tribal artifacts.
0: Oh, come on. The FBI's art crime what, team. What I jerks? Know. I, know. I mean, these guys are horrible, horrible, horrible human beings.
1: Yeah, I know. Um, they the, better be
0: in jail a long time.
1: Oh God! The FBI's art crime team conducted an archaeological field assessment to determine if the Native American Graves Protection and Repatriation Patriation Act of the or the ugh, archaeological resource protection Act of 1979 were violated. Additional charges may result if so. During the occupation, the militants illegal illegally dug a new road. Using a government-owned excavator, expanding a parking lot, dug trenches, come on. destroyed part of the... In
0: 41 days, this is what they're doing. Yeah.
1: Destroyed part of the field. Uh, Fish and Wildlife Service's owned fence oh my and God. removed security cameras. Some of the refugees' pipe, pipes broke, after which the militants' officially officials said, defecated everywhere.
0: Oh, come on.
1: Investigators found significant amount of human feces at two large trenches and an impro- improvised road or an, on an on or adjacent to the grounds containing sensitive artifacts of the burros, the Burns Paiute tribe
0: this is just so i mean they're desecrating yeah this land the us fish and, and wildlife such, service such such disrespect yeah
1: the us fish and wildlife service spokesperson said the damage risked, quote the destruction destruction and desecration of culturally significant native american sites end quote and called it disgusting, ghoulish behavior. The Burns Paiute Tribe condemned the damage. Tribal council member Jarvis Kennedy described it as quote as if someone quote went to Arlington Cemetery and went to the bathroom on the graves and wrote a bulldozer over them. Oh my
0: unquote. god! It, it, it is this is horrible. Yeah, horrible, 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 horrible. Mm-hmm. Who who are like who do you think you are? That the ego, it's disgusting. I know. And that they're going to just bulldoze through because they think they have rights to some. They're not even from the damn state, and they're in there. Yeah, they shouldn't even acting, be there. Acting like children. This
1: isn't even about your land anymore. The, there's
0: this. There's, there's an immaturity here. There's yeah. something. There's not. That's not right. Yeah. What grown man, human, is going to do that? It there's it. It boggles the mind.
1: Two of the militants, Sean Larry Anderson and Jake Edward Ryan, were subsequently indicted for depraved depredation of government property, an offense that carries a potential 10-year jail sentence. But that, of course, was for digging the trenches, right? (sighs) A group of 600 volunteers signed up to restore the refuge after the Oregon National uh, Desert Association sought assistance. The FBI also found evidence that the militants used a boat launch area about 1.5 miles northeast of the refuge for firearms training. At the boat launch area, investigators recovered about 1,685 spent Shell casings. The refuge remained closed after the FBI left the site in late February, with the entrance road blocked off from public access by armed officers from the Fish and Wildlife Service. So
0: they're training across the lake. What are, are they? Please don't tell me they're like shooting the birds that people. No, no, come, no I uh, think they're just shooting. They're out just shooting the water, out yeah. to the water.
1: The refuge's manager described it as one big mess at the end of February. Although he and fifteen other employees at the refuge were able to return to their jobs at the end of February, they found that while there, they had not there had there had not been much structural damage to the buildings there had been a great deal of disruption to files heavy equipment and fittings in addition to the problems caused by a lengthy break in the maintenance of the refuge's infrastructure Uh efforts to reduce the population of invasive carp in mauler lake are thought to have been stuck been sent back about set back about three years (laughs) while the buildings remain closed for repairs which are expected to take until the summer the refuge's land were reopened to the public in mid-march
0: and that's 2017 yes yeah
1: so no no this is still 2016 okay but still because this all started january 2016 right right. but still like these this is the work that they do they reduce the population of certain species there now they're three
0: years behind they have to clean up this mess and the files like did they recover all the files this is people that's personal information and that's other government information in these files that they were going through yeah on, on rancher land and all that that you mentioned earlier like did they recover yes all uh, of the stuff that they yes
1: because i think they were just making copies and taking oh pictures and, and doing things like that to to get information you know
0: but did they have to relinquish where all the photos where you know well
1: i don't know if they took any of that yeah, out of the out of the, the yeah the center
0: i mean, if they took pictures though it could be on a server somewhere
1: mm-hmm. that's true you know so a total of 27 people involved in the occupation were charged under federal law. Of those, 26 have been indicted for a single fel- federal felony charge of conspiracy to impede officers of the U.S. from discharging their official duties through the use of force, intimidation, or threats. By taking over this thing, that's all they were charged with, is impeding those officers from being able to go into the no, building No, this is
0: domestic terrorism. Mm-hmm. It's terrorism. A number of... I hate... I cannot... <laughs> That, you yeah, know, that's a big, I have to say that this is a mistake because this was under Obama administration. Yeah. And this was a big mistake because if he would have charged these men mm-hmm. with a domestic terrorism charge or really, you know, come after them with a harsh sentence that, yeah, I don't am going to say I'm a message, but it sends a message. Yeah. It says like, we're not going to put up with this kind of bullshit that you it's, are going to it's suffer. It's like what we
1: talk about with the reconstruction, you know?
0: And they, they don't like, you got to do it. Yeah. You You got to do it. You You got to harshly. You have to put an end to it. You have to, because now someone will go, "I'll, I'll go sit in jail for 10 months. I'll go sit in jail for two years. Yeah. In what, federal federal prison?
1: It's almost just to even bring attention to how they feel about the government, really. Yeah. You know? A number of those under indictment on the conspiracy charge were also charged with a variety of other counts, some of which incur sentences up to life imprisonment, including possession of firearms and dangerous weapons in federal facilities, use and carry of firearms in relation to a crime of violence of government property, and relating to the damaging the site by the means of the excavating with the heavy equipment, They that was theft of government property
0: did they did they get any charges for the damage they did to the native I
1: think so. Let me I'm trying to remember. But okay. I, I might mention it down here, but I okay. think I think yes. There was a couple of guys who did that. So yeah. yes. Okay. In addition, several of those other some several of those under indictment in Oregon have also been indicted separately for their roles in the 2014 Bundy standoff in Nevada. Okay. So remember like
0: that's so now going they're on. now they're combining it.
1: Yeah, but well As a federal. No, they're not going to combine it, but they're saying that while this was happening, yes, this other thing is still happening over here, right? So in January 2016, a court denied bail to Eamon and Ryan Bundy, saying that they were a flight risk and a danger to the community. The court also denied bail to Ryan Payne, Dylan Anderson, and Jason Patrick. In 2017, prosecutors said they would be asking for a 41-month prison sentence for Payne, by August 20, 2016, 12 militants pleaded guilty to charges against them, including four of nine militants who were part of Bundy's inner circle. Of those four, two were reported to be negotiating a resolution to a federal indictment in regards to the Bundy standoff in Nevada. Right. Like it's always the same. It's just all yes. the same people. The trials for the seven militants, including Eamon Bundy, were scheduled to start on September 7th, 2016, With while a further seven militants were set for February of the following year. Charges against the remaining indicted militant peter santilli were dropped but he still faced charges in nevada on august 3rd 2016 about 1500 potential jurors were summoned and asked to complete questionnaires that would be reviewed by the attorneys and parties involved in the september trials judge anna brown previously said the case would require an un- unusually large jury pool because too many people involved there's so many people involved and a lot of where this is happening is in oregon yeah. where uh, they all know they all know, and they and yeah. they all also either own land or well, have felt and it went on for
0: forty one months, so it's yeah. a long time for the news to spread about what was happening there, yeah, to find someone that is right impartial right it 's going to be difficult right
1: um, the defense would focus on the argument that the federal government doesn't actually have jurisdiction over federal land as they lost uh. the right to own the land inside of Oregon once it became a state god help me (laughs) on october twenty seventh, (laughs) 2016 amon bundy and six other defendants were found not guilty of conspiracy to impede federal officers and possession of firearms in a federal facility by a jury
0: no they didn't get any jail time (gasps) they are home they're back in nevada they're living their life yes no yeah Uh, this is bullshit
1: one defendant was found not guilty of theft of a government-owned truck, and the jury was hung on charges of theft of surveillance cameras by another defendant.
0: Come on, who is this jury? i what I'm saying. Like, I, know. I think this that is it's bullshit. because they all sympathize bullshit. with this. They
1: sympathize. Yeah. They don't want but the government getting permits. It and all doesn't matter.
0: You have to look at the evidence that is presented. Please. That is your job as a juror, honey. God.
1: The judge released five of the defendants but returned <sighs> Eamon Bundy and Ryan Bundy to federal custody because they also faced trial related to the 2014 Bundy standoff in Nevada. This is like, this next thing is funny.
0: Okay. The, funny, <laughs> haha. or am I going to cry? Funny, funny ha ha. <laughs>
1: okay. At the end of the trial, Marcus Mumford... Amon's, Amon Bundy's lawyer argued with the judge that Bundy should be released immediately on the grounds that the court did not have a detainer and the United States Marshal Service had no documentation authorizing Bundy's detention. Both of the Bundy brothers had been ordered to be held without bail in January when they were charged. So that he hadn't been out at all since before that, like since he, they were arrested after the judge admonished him for yelling at the bench Six U.S. marshals surrounded the defense <gasps> table and then tackled Mumford no. and tased him. They tased him when he resisted. Oh, in the z- middle z- of z- the court. Z-
0: yes, uh, this is so ridiculous. The greatest. It's ridiculous. It's my what is
1: wrong with
0: people? <laughs> no, he's so angry.
1: But it's z- z- oh
0: my god, little taser
1: action. Get him I back love up, it. under control. Yeah. A spokesman for the Marshals Service said Mumford was arrested because he was resisting and preventing marshals from taking custody of Amon Bundy out oh of the courtroom god. back into custody. On March thirteenth, two 2017, federal prosecutors dropped the unusual charges against the lawyer for his outburst. whatever. So I could go into this very lengthy, this is already a lengthy story, but yes. I could go into this lengthy about each and every person sentence, right. but so I'm going to just narrow it down to... Um, that each person was given two to three years in prison of prison time with three additional years supervised probation. That was like the gist of what people were given. Yes. Um, And they also had to pay tens of thousands of dollars in fines each and totaling around $1,089,000. Yeah. So the uh, FBI agent who shot at the car was prosecuted because (sighs) the, uh, the U S attorney thought that there was some wrongdoing there. Again, I could go through this whole thing and go shot by shot and what they could recover and what they didn't. They saw eight shots. They saw six shots, but had eight shells. Like something was off. Yes. In this. He ended up, um, coming, they, they came back after deliberating for six hours, his jury, and he was found not guilty on all these verdicts, on all these charges. Um, yeah. Okay, so some of the costs related to this. According to an initial analysis by the Oregonian, the occupation cost taxpayers at least $3.3 million to cover the massive police response. This is such bullshit. Yeah, a week of shuttered schools and a long list of supplies ranging from food to flashlight batteries. Most of the cost was for around-the-clock police work. The Oregon State Police spent one point two million dollars on wages, overtime, and lodging and oh fuel. Oh my god! Well, an additional seven hundred eighty-eight thousand dollars was paid for help from outside pol- other police and government agencies from outside Harney County. Um, they were able to eventually reopen, and um, by my- May eighth, two thousand seventeen, the entire visitor center, including Center Patrol Road, had been reopened to visitors. I do want to say this that. Just a, like a quick, quick follow-up is that um, they also were found not guilty in the Nevada. Oh, come incident, on. Um, and they are out. And now this is basically what he did, does. I read this whole article, which is in our notes about um, this family in Colorado that was saying that the federal government's taking their land. And they were like, they refused to leave. And it was like grandparents, parents, children and um and they come rolling in to help. Yeah, So they say, he gets messages. This is, this is he not, gets messages, and he says, "This is why he need to be
0: tried as a, a terrorist." I yeah. mean, look at him. So
1: this is what he does now. Now he, he he's a consultant. Yeah. He gets he gets this information. He goes, "We're going to go help this family," and he contacts the sheriff. And the sheriff was in this article was like, "I knew what was coming. Like I had to be prepared," and he knew this family. No, this they, is this unacceptable.
0: Family, this, this man cannot like run through the country like this like who is he but this
1: family the nickersons i believe is their name from this article they talked about how the federal government was just taking their money and and or taking their property and it turns out they just never paid their mortgage (laughs) so they would they were living in a van on the land they would not leave and they would go to like these swap meets or like green markets or whatever and they they'd put a a thing up saying if it happened to us it can happen to you and so when amon bundy Tells everybody to come. He starts getting phone calls to the sheriff. People start showing up into the town. Eamon Bundy comes in for their meeting and he's the sheriff's like, I was fucking prepared. Like, I knew what I needed. Yeah. And he had like a stack of paperwork. And any question that Eamon Bundy had, here's my answer, here's the answer. And basically it was like, he goes, Oh, we were lied to by this family. Like, they, but this is what he does. He thinks, he goes around now and just, like, draws yeah. he's, he's going to be the cases. rescuer. He's yeah. going to
0: swoop in and protect people yeah. from and the somebody, government.
1: And somebody in the article was like, you know, because those two cases didn't stick, he's now looked at as like this person, He's a terrorist. Yeah. And until something actually sticks, that's what he'll continue doing. All of this, these.
0: It's ridiculous. Yes. It's ridiculous. Girl. His name though, (laughs) this is a complete segue. Um, There's a show that my husband is obsessed with. It's on Amazon Prime and it's called Bridget and Eamon. And Mm -hmm. it's, Takes place in the 80s in Ireland, Irish Catholic family. Uh, they have like the good room and it's like everything's covered in plastic and <laughs> there's a pre, it's, it's really funny, but she, she's like th- the really thin, these big glasses and she's smoking cigarettes like all day long. And he's this huge misogynist pig. Like he's just <laughs> like, go make me my food. And she's always like, hey, amen. <laughs> amen he's like he's just so gross because he'll he'll you know be fantasizing about something he's like can't a man fantasize in his own home without his wife you know bothering him but the as you were saying just kept hearing amen amen where's the priest amen um, but the, they're so funny and it's just the, the Catholic jokes in it are great. There's one episode where, um, they freak out because, uh, they start thinking that they're turning Protestant because they start, <laughs> you know, uh, I forget what happens, but then like, you know, like they're acting nicer to each other and they're like, Oh my God, we're turning Protestant. <laughs> they freak out. It's just stupid, but that's what it, his name, I just kept hearing her voice in my head. All right. So yes, are you ready? Yes. Hey, okay. Today, I'm going to tell you the story of Edward M. Kennedy, or Ted Kennedy, as he was more commonly known. Ted Kennedy served as U.S. Senator out of Massachusetts beginning in 1962.
1: Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold what? on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Ted. We're doing Ted Kennedy? Yes. Holy shit. Are we going to do... Chappaquinic. Yes. Wow, this is on my yes. list. Okay. <gasps> Let's do
0: it. But when passersby discover... A submerged vehicle registered to the senator, complete with a body inside. Mm. Ted Kennedy's presidential aspirations take a plunge. Oop. Did you like that? Yeah. Very <laughs> distasteful. We'll uh, take it. All right. So our story takes place, of course, in uh, Chappaquiddick. And all I know about the place is like, it's where rich people go because right. it's like, you know, there's Marcia, um, Martha's Vineyard, Martha's, Marcia, Martha's Vineyard. It's a peninsula, but people call it an island because I think like the way the water moves, but it's not really an island, but they call it that. And it's just a bunch of money folk. Like that's mm-hmm. all I think of. And so before I go into details, I want to just give you a little bit of background on Mr. Kennedy. Mm-hmm. So he served as senator beginning in 1962, and he actually took his brother's seat because he was elected president. And prior to that, he was an attorney and then he became a... An assistant district attorney, like pretty shortly after graduating from Harvard, and mm. you know this is the epitome of yes. privilege and yes. access, like it's the Kennedys, like yeah. they have every and going into the Irish Catholics from Eamon, uh, <laughs> This this group though is uh, really rich, and how I'm not you know how the dad made money, the bootlegging, yeah, yeah, and I'm not going to get into it, but right. I just basically. It was he really had a way of uh wor- he worked prohibition mm-hmm. and he worked at this sort of import deal with Churchill and so right when prohibition ended it was like boom whiskey and yeah. they became very very rich. And he was a pig. I mean the whole family um is pretty dysfunctional. Yeah. And so according to Michael Kelly's GQ article um the family I mean he grew like Ted Kennedy grew up he was the baby of the family. Mm-hmm. And he grew up with a dad who was, you know, hooking up with women left and right. He wasn't hiding it. Even when uh, Joe Kennedy was like making deals with Churchill, he brought his wife and his mistress. Yeah. I was going to say, I I
1: believe that the the girlfriends were always like, they're always visible. Yes.
0: But imagine being children growing up in a home where this is permitted and being men in this family where that's permitted. That's going to shape the way they view women and how they Mm. treat women in their lives. And, And I mean, look, you got the brother, you know, John, who... Happy birthday. Happy birthday. I mean, he was carousing. Yes. I mean... So the article states, Ted Kennedy, and this is a quote from the article, Ted Kennedy was born and bred to act like the last of the Regency rakes, to be a Mm. bore when it pleases him, to take what he wants, to treat women as score markers in the game of sport fucking, and to revel in high stakes risks. Like, that's what he grew up around. And so it's no surprise that he is the way that he is. And it's this misogyny, this pompousness, this greed. What else can evolve yeah. From it, you know? Well,
1: and it's also the failure of the American people to... Oh, oh, they excuse it. They excuse it, but they want to uplift this family and make it almost like they were...
0: Royalty. Yeah. Yeah. And it
1: was a very dark, dark, dark family.
0: Yes. And the thing is... And we excuse bad behavior, like we, this in particular. Right. Like and and this heinous. is really where, like with the Democrats. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like you you gotta... You can't disparage one side and then glorify the kennedys Listen, you know what i mean we
1: talked about this recently on our own on our own private conversation that we that democrats we better start holding our you elected hold officials we can't excuse yes and turn a blind eye to really bad behavior or moral uh is that the yeah. right word? Well, Just I mean, because look, this person's a Democrat, right. we don't then forgive them for this behavior because if it was a Republican, you'd be raking their asses uh, over yes, the coals. Yes. If this was a Republican right here, this story. You, you, well, and this been, uh, is a story that
0: the Republicans often turn to. Like, when yes. anything would happen, they'd be like Ted Kennedy. And they have the right, right? to do and it. And they have the right to do it. Because, <laughs> you handed you know, them a golden one, goose with this bullshit. One, when you have JFK, first Catholic president, yes. which was like such a big deal, but the Catholic Church didn't come out... Against them for their indiscretions with right. women, right? They don't. Oh, they, please, right? They shouldn't condone it at all, but they don't because they know what they have, right? It's the a, money.
1: <laughs> it's, a, it's a and it's a, a degenerate organization. Yeah, <laughs> I, please. I, I hate to. I, God, it, God forgive me. Oi, yes. uh, you had to do the sign. you had to do the sign. The <laughs> I cross. got to. I got to. <laughs> you?
0: Um, their stakeholders don't hold them accountable. Like members of the government don't hold them accountable. So, you know, if you can buy whatever you want do whatever you want and no one ever stops you and you just think that you can have whatever you want all of the time and he just reminds me of tom buchanan in the great gatsby mm. you know smug and you know rich and just thinks like he deserves it all
1: but the, you know he's he even during after all of this and all the time that he served he did amazing he remarkable did. policy yes work. and so that's the kind of like what comes with this power? If he were just play, being a playboy and running around, I think that's why it's forgiven—is because he I does know. stand so, up for these things. And he, it's the last time when people really worked across the aisle. Yes, you know when he was in office.
0: I mean, he was uh, the 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 quote that the name that he's associated with is the liberal lion. Yeah, he was the liberal lion of the Senate. Yeah, and he fought hard. Yeah, for like you said, for incredible uh, programs. And I don't want to take any of that, and I'm going to go into some of that 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 he uh, did, which was, I just think, I think that I have, like, this, there's this romanticization of the Kennedys. Yes. Right, and remember um, that JFK, his president, is referred to as Camelot. Yeah. You know, and it's this idyllic, happy thing, but when you really go back to the 50s, it wasn't that. Like, it it's, tried to be portrayed that yes. way. But it's not, and it's but, but this it's, underbelly, and it's... Yes. and Tina, oh. the darkness.
1: The darkness in this family. Yes, it's really well. Really and he bad. also
0: came up with um the Kennedy curse, like that yes. coin. Like he's the one that coined that phrase because it's true. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about it though. Like there are some things that are just tragic out of the hands of people, but then are certain things part of you know actions, you right. know, That, that you are involved in. Yes. Too. So yes, I don't know.
1: it's a curse because. Of the way that they this father, the father, this Joe Kennedy yes. was so fucked up.
0: But, I mean, he's like, I mean, such a philanderer. Yeah, but he struggled with alcoholism. Yes, there's and all kinds of, of this stuff. Yeah. But,
1: but also, you know, for these kids to be so, uh, I don't know, it, to to want to be something higher and higher and higher, like fighting, like uh, running for office and all of that.
0: Oh, those that's, were that's... all for
1: him. Don't you think? Like, this is all because of him.
0: He oh, for the dad. No, empowered. no, no. The father wanted yeah. it. Yes, 100%. Okay. So some of the things that he fought for and sponsored, and this is coming from um, one of the articles that I read, is immigration reform, criminal code reform, fair housing, public education, health AIDS research, um, a ton of programs that helped the poor. He upheld liberal positions on abortion, capital punishment, busing. um, and this is like this historical website, uh, biography website on the Kennedys, on Ted Kennedy. And like you said, the reason he could do all this is because one, he had an ability um, to form relationships with people across the mm-hmm. aisle. And that people, like he, he had this way of being able to negotiate and make these deals. And that doesn't exist, I don't think. I agree. And I think it exists on a lot of things, but on the key points, like an abortion issue are those big key points. I don't it's think out. it's, yeah. it's gone. So, and, and again, this is where I have trouble with the Kennedy's. Cause it's like, yes, you've done all of these amazing things. And if it was any other person who had, who had done what he did regarding this, you know, accident, mm. right. Would he have, you know, most people probably would have been arrested. He would have not been propelled into a 40 year Senate mm. gig. It's incredible. Right. Gina. And then what, what would our world be like if there wasn't a Ted Kennedy? Like who would have filled that spot all the years? Like there could have been someone just as good. We don't know. Right. So it's just like, Oh my God, I don't know. know. Does one outweigh the other? And then I'm thinking, no, it doesn't. And then I'm thinking, (laughs) is this guy, look, he's Catholic. And like, did he work so hard to be the liberal lion? Like as a form of penance, like, am I, this is the way that I cleanse my wrongdoings by just being this other guy. Like, you know, I don't know. It just doesn't sit well with me. So, um, Ooh, girl,
1: it's a, it is a conundrum. It, it is, a, is. It's a, a, a moral, you know, crossroads. Yes. I hear you. I I agree. And it's we can't so turn a fucked. blind
0: eye because if it was any, if it was on a different party, yeah, people would have flipped, it, flipped out. All right. So let's go into what happened. So most people, I don't know if most people know the whole story Yeah, we're or sitting not.
1: here talking about this and no, we haven't yes. even what it was. So,
0: okay. So. Um, what happened that night? So according to various accounts on July 18th, 1969, Ted Kennedy drove his car into a lake, but it's what happened after that. That's the awful part. Mm-hmm. So according to vanity fair, Ted Kennedy was at a party with, uh, what were known as the boiler room girls. And these were people, these were girls who worked on the previous year. So the previous year, Bobby Kennedy is killed. Mm. and it's remember he had the presidential campaign and all of that and they were working on his campaign so it was sort of like a reunion like you know come down to the the cottage and at the lake and blah 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 right so it's some of these girls one of those girls was a young woman 28 year old mary joe kopechny ted leaves the party with mary joe and he later explained that he was taking her to the ferry which had a final midnight run But he made a wrong turn and basically drove off the bridge into the lake. So Ted Kennedy then claims that he swam out of the car and dove back in several times to try to get Mary Jo out, but he couldn't. Um, But this is the thing. According to the Vanity Fair article, he leaves that scene and he walks back to the cottage.
1: But he's been drinking also.
0: He claims, though. Okay. Mm -hmm. So so this is his account, like that there was no alcohol involved, but we know he was probably drinking. So, but according to Vanity Fair drinking or not drinking. Yeah, There were houses. There was even a house that had a light on because one of the witnesses said, I had my light on on the porch. Like You could come knock on the door. He doesn't go to any of these houses, passes a firehouse, goes back to the cottage, right? He sees a couple friends at the cottage and he's like, hey, this is what happened. They then go back to the lake together, Hmm. swim in, try to get her out. Can't do it. Then he says, Um, again, so now they've passed the the firehouse on the way back. So he passed it on the way to the cottage. These men pass it on the way back. They do not stop to say, Hey, can you help us rescue this person in the car? They don't do it. Um, now they're at the shore. What's the next move for Ted Kennedy? He says that he jumps in the lake, swims across, goes to his, his hotel, goes upstairs, changes his clothes, makes a ton of phone calls, but does not call the police, does not tell anybody. Like, done. Comes down the next day. Some guy even says, I saw him the next day. He seemed like in a good mood. Didn't act like anything was wrong. Nothing. Business as usual. So it's not until... This is somebody's daughter. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> it's not until a police officer sees... There was an accident. That there was an accident. Yeah. Okay, so he, ha- he happens to be passing by, this police officer. So the police officer the night before saw a car on that road and it was not driving the right way. Mm. And he thought something was wrong. So he drove towards the car to go, is something wrong? But the car kept going. He's like, oh, whatever, I'm going home. He went home. But he's like, let me go back and see what happened. That's when he realized it. If that cop never went back to that lake that next day, how long would that car have sat in there? Like, you know, that's what I wondered. Like, so once they get word that the car is found, then Ted Kennedy calls the police to say, oh, that's my car. Right, so would he have said anything, or would he have been like,
1: "Boom, I'm out." He's such a piece of shit. Yes, I don't think he. I don't even think these. This is the first time I've heard the friends went back with him. Yes, I thought I was, he went
0: back to his hotel, and went to bed. Yeah, no, no, no. I so, didn't know that. All, I didn't know all that. Yeah. So, yeah, when I was reading this, I was like, "Dang!" Like, so there's other people involved. Wow. So, according to there's a Liz McNeil, and she has, um, People Magazine has a podcast called Cover Up. And she does like this. Don't promote
1: these other podcasts, girl.
0: (laughs) She does this uh, like uh, episode
1: Mm.
0: uh, on it. And she notes, you know, that the deputy, his name was Sheriff Huck, was the one who found the car. And she also notes um, there's another person, a Sarah Pruitt. She wrote an article on history uh, that the firefighters account of what he says suggests that Mary Jo was probably alive after the car went under, but they're not sure for how long. And this is because of how her body was positioned when it was found. So, and I didn't know this either. So supposedly she was found in the backseat of the car Mm. and her face was like where in the the area where your feet would be like pressed into that and her hands were on the, the passenger front seat in front of her. So she's underneath and they think that there were air pockets. She was getting the air. And she was putting her face down there to try to breathe. Holy shit. It's, it's awful. It's awful. Like, I cannot imagine how scared she must have been in in that vehicle. When Kennedy does come forward after the car is found, this is the interesting thing. He does not tell the cops the names of the friends who came with him to the lake. He doesn't talk about the party. He just says, I was with Mary Jo. Meanwhile, the friends and all the other party goers, they leave the island. So now the police don't have any witness accounts. They don't have anything
1: Cause I don't think that happened from these
0: people. I don't right? think they went with them. So, mm-hmm. um, they all leave. They don't face questioning, but when they do get called back in for questioning, the Kennedy attorney team has already been coaching them mm-hmm. for responses. So they've are like, cause they are like, they get everyone on the horn. He probably has said, look, these are all the people with me. And now they've left. They have people who probably were like, this is what you're going to say. And that's, that's how that went down mm-hmm. with the witnesses. So here are some discrepancies, allegations. He denied several times that he was not drinking. But many people believe that Kennedy was drunk because they were having this party. Yes. And he took off. But there's no way that we can now prove or disprove this because there were no tests taken. The police didn't do any sobriety, didn't do any blood tests, nothing. Well, it's the next day anyway. And then it's the next day. Allegedly, he wasn't on his way to the ferry. So a cop claims, like I said, that he saw the car at 1240 a.m., but remember it was 11 something. Cause he's like, we're trying to get the midnight ferry. Right. So we left at 1130, but this cop is like, no, it was after midnight it was 1240. Cause he was on his way home from a shift, mm. which is well after the time that that ferry would, would have left. So the suggestion is that they were on their way to hook up. Yes. Especially because the road, he turns down this road, you're on a paved road and this is a guy that knows this area. Right if your car turns off the wrong road, the road was unpaved and rocky. Like you would have noticed right away. And he says that he wasn't speeding. He was going 20 miles an hour. But if you're going 20 miles an hour, you're on this road. Like how do you end up plunging off of the bridge, Mm -hmm. you know, unless you're drunk and speeding through. Right. Um, So the assumption is like they were going probably just to hook up or whatever. And the other thing that people say, if she was going home by ferry, why was her purse and hotel key still at the cottage? God, come on. And his claim is, I was so shocked by the incident and I was just so, you know, I, I couldn't believe that it happened, that that's why I didn't call the police because I was I was just in too much shock. And that's the, the thing that they go to. And then allegedly also the coroner's report suggests that it was more of a suffocation than a drowning, meaning that she ran out of air because when they... But they, she...
1: But she- she ran out of air right. because he she was, drove a right, fucking car into a lake. Into a
0: lake. And there were air pockets. And this also leads people to wondering, could she have been saved? Like if he would have like, okay, Tina. I went down there three times. If he would have run to a house or run to the firehouse, could they have got her out and would have been fine?
1: He didn't. Right. Of course. Of course. She could have been saved. He did and, not go back in that water. You understand that.
0: Right. I mean, he says There's he no, did. I don't I fucking know. care. No yes. way. There's no way. So the charges, he was charged with one count of leaving the scene of an accident. That was it. I can't. I can't. One count. One count of leaving the scene. And according to Pruitt's article, since there's no evidence of speeding or drunk driving, they couldn't charge him with a greater crime. And there's no way to suggest how much air, if any, was in the car. That's all speculative, right? So they say like that when the car was pulled out. That there wasn't much water in it, suggesting that the the way that it submerged, that there were these, like it held water somehow or I, I don't, or held air somehow.
1: I wonder if she had, because I'm sure, I'd imagine if you go in like that, you're panicked, right? Yeah. And then this That's fucking gonna compromise your breathing. Cra- crawls out and gets the fuck away. Yes. I wonder, you know, if you, you have to roll down windows or whatever that you have to do, like to get in out. of the cars like, then. What, it was an
0: Oldsmobile too. Yeah. The thing is, I, I don't know. I, I I don't think, maybe he didn't go back in. Maybe he was so drunk that he just staggered home. But it just, I think, I don't think he swam across the lake home. That's another I th- I think story. He, I think he probably went to the cottage and his friends drove him home. Mm. I don't know. So the sentencing. He ends up, um, the other thing that's important too is the the family of Mary Jo says the biggest mistake that they made was that they didn't ask for an autopsy. Mm. Um, And they said at the time that the autopsy was like, just to see if she was pregnant or not. Like they didn't understand like what else the autopsy could tell, like she drowned, but they were saying they, she wished now because then they could see, was there a lot of water in her lungs? Like what, you know, and that could have determined how long perhaps um, she was in there and it's just awful. So he had to serve two months of jail time that the judge suspended. So he didn't serve any. Um, Was there any remorse? Um, Michael Kelly of GQ noted that Kennedy himself explained that his actions were, quote, irrational and indispensable and inexcusable and inexplicable. That's it. No jail time. That's it. Not much aftermath. Um, And according to Vanity Fair, the time that this happened and his power, his privilege, it it was like the perfect mix for him to walk away. And the other thing that was happening, Mm. the Apollo moon landing happened that same it was that same like weekend so it's not like 24-hour news cycle like today right where you got your few news channels and everyone's like someone landed on the moon we're showing all this moon footage that this didn't get the play that the play and then when it did then people were like oh my god but by that time sort of it was already kind of settled right so it just it ruined his political chances as far as a presidency he did try to run but you know, it kind of plagued him, but he remained a Senator for 40 years. He died while he was still serving. Yes. All (laughs) right. So some points of interest.
1: (laughs) Oh, Tina, I can't, it's so fucked up, man.
0: So I thought that this was interesting from the biography site on Ted Kennedy. It basically said that Ted Kennedy was not the scholar that his brothers were, Mm -hmm. you know, he's the baby and he was a sports guy. Yeah. He was a football guy. Um, but this shows the privilege. So he focused on sports. He played football, gets into Harvard, (laughs) <laughs> Even though he's not the intellectual, but he got in because he's a Kennedy, mm-hmm. but they kick him out. He got kicked out of Harvard. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Because his grades were not great and he hired someone to take his Spanish exam oh and he got busted. God. So they were like, you can reapply in two years. Now, what other person gets kicked out of Harvard <laughs> and then gets to reapply? In two years. And you know when he reapplied, he got back in. But for the two years, he's like, "Eh, I'll join the service. And then his dad hooked him up with like a cush little uh, seat in Paris. So he spends two years in Paris and then comes back Mm -mm. and gets back into Harvard. Graduates from Harvard and goes to law school. Graduates from law school and like pretty much very shortly after is an assistant district attorney. Like it's just... It's, it's frustrating. It's like, why do you get to have this just because you have money? Right. It's so annoying. So, But when he does go back to I mean, Harvard. It's not annoying. That's America. It's America. That's America. He um, goes back and he plays ball. And mm-hmm. the Green Bay Packers oh. re- recruited They were like, we want you to play pro ball with us. And he turned it down be- for law school and politics. And he, he said something like, uh, I'm going to get into a different type of contact sports. <laughs> politics. So, I mean, and that's definitely the family influence, but he could have been, like, what would the, again, I wonder, like, what would have happened if he would have, he probably liked ball. Yeah. He wasn't an intellectual. I mean, he he's a smart guy, but if he would have been a football player instead. yeah, Wouldn't that be weird? The like, a different turn of events that yes. would have been for this, for this guy. And, and for the and country. Him? And like, for that woman. Yeah, and for that, well, yeah, they would have. So, I don't know. So, according to a Lorraine... Boy and Smithsonian Magazine article Mary Jo this is the thing like when when they talked about Mary Jo in the press it was like this blonde secretary right. that worked for Bobby Kennedy yes that was it right but she was a lot more than that she was actually like a really skilled mm-hmm. political campaign speech writer and worker mm-hmm. and she actually um helped Bobby Kennedy write one of his anti-Vietnam speeches. She helped write the speech announcing his candidacy for president. Wow. And because of that misogyny, like she's only referred to as blonde secretary. Right. And none of her accomplishments, none of her work, like they really don't highlight anything about her at all. And it's not until later where her, you know, and her family's like, like that wasn't who she was. And being so upset that, that everything about her is overshadowed
1: well it's easier for the for the people to swallow this shitty story about this oh this poor guy when the woman is so easily being is you're so easily able to dismiss her yes as like uh you know a power
0: hungry slut right you know so um another thing i found interesting is that there is this movie that was made and they do take some I was
1: gonna say I remember there was a movie
0: yeah they take some creative liberty and they they definitely dramatize like some of the facts and it's it's not completely accurate um but some people say it is a pretty close alignment to the story But I mean, Um,
1: accurate to whose account? His account? Right. I mean, this is the person we're going to Well, I guess with some
0: of the quotes and things that he says, and like before he's supposed to go take a speech, they're like, you should resign. And they're like, there's no evidence that he was Mm -hmm. ever going to resign his Senate seat or any, like those kind of things, where he's like, maybe I should resign. Um, But at the end of that movie, and I think it's just called like Chappaquiddick, like Mm -hmm. I think is the name of the movie. But at the end, they have like actual like newsreel footage where they're talking to people on the street. Like, would you reelect... Ted Kennedy after this incident. Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. And that's that thing like that, like, you know, and maybe, and I was thinking, well, maybe the people at the time that this happened, because remember they're coming out of uh, JFK being killed, Bobby Kennedy being killed and people still like loving the Kennedy's that they're probably like, Oh, this poor family is going through all this stuff. Like, of course I'd reelect him. It's not as fault as an accident. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I know. was thinking that, uh, one of the ways they could spin this
1: is, oh, he was all upset because his brother was killed or he was, you know, he's yeah. lost his brothers and this and that. Like, yes. I, I would feel like that's why this is other other this poor guy. It's not his fault. Da, da, da. You
0: know what I mean? Yeah. So this is a theory I'm going to bring in that I, okay. I read about. There's no facts based on it, <laughs> but I thought that it was interesting. Okay. And this is coming from that people's uh, cover up the podcast notes. Um, there was an article written from it. And it has something, of course, that I like, which is an anonymous letter. Okay. <laughs> so um, one of the, the uh, members of Mary Jo's family receives a letter. And you know, like, mm-hmm. this is my thing, girl. Mm-hmm. The letter is someone who talked to a girl from the party. So this is, it was a guy who was like, look, I talked to this woman who was at the party. I'm not going to use her real name. We're going to call her Betty. And this is what Betty told me about that night. And I was like, ooh, this is interesting. And yeah, it kind of yeah. makes sense a little bit. So I'm like, maybe. So allegedly, Betty told this guy, I put Mary Jo in the backseat of Ted Kennedy's car because she got drunk. Because when they found the car, they didn't find the purse or the hotel gate. There was no, the, but they did find a purse of another woman in the car. So at first, they thought maybe. She was this other woman who was at the party. It wasn't some woman. I think her name was Rose or something. Mm. Okay. This girl, Betty says, I took Mary Jo. She was drunk. So I just laid her down in the back seat so she could sleep it off a little bit.
1: Oh, and right? he didn't know she was there? And then
0: Ted and some other chick from the party go to hook up. They crash. They both escape. They go back to the cottage, right? And it's either the next day or something happens where the girl hears about the car coming up. And she goes, where's Mary Jo? And Ted Kennedy's like, what are you talking about? And that's when they all realize and they concoct this other story, which makes sense. Like he came down dressed, acting like nothing's going on because maybe he legitimately like did not know that there was a girl dead in the back seat. But then I don't think so because mm-hmm. why did he make a ton of phone calls when he got back to the hotel? Well, maybe because he crashed the car.
1: Maybe that's the reason, but oh. also like, you know what I mean? Say, yes. Hey dad, Hey insurance company.
0: I don't yes. know. Whatever. Maybe
1: it middle night. Maybe you wouldn't do that. But like, but what if, if you're hooking up with somebody?
0: Yes. You're doing it in the front seat of the car. Well, but they crashed while they were going maybe to where they were going. Oh, okay. They were still both in the front seat. And it was so this they, woman,
1: Rose, quote, whatever her name is. That's who, whoever, whose, whose purse was in the car. Perhaps
0: that they were the ones together.
1: They well, crashed. This makes they a little sw- bit more sense. They swim
0: out. But wouldn't
1: you notice someone in the back seat? Yeah. And with the, if someone was passed out in the back seat, wouldn't they know the car started? Wouldn't they be like, uh hello? Like, wouldn't they say? Unless she's
0: blackout drunk. I don't know.
1: I don't know. To me, it sounds like a great theory. Yes. But it but also I was sounds like, like somebody I making know. a story I just to feel make like- it sound like he's... You know, even more innocent. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, like, why, why not tell that story? That's, a,
0: that's the thing I would say. Like, why not tell that story? That's I had what no I. issue
1: is there. And this woman, Rose, can be your person. Yes. Like, why not tell that story? You've already said you were going to hook up with this. Well, no, no he said he's gonna he's drive her driver. He was married. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, he was married. But like that. And maybe the other having woman was an affair is better off than like I m- m- left somebody in the bottom of bottom of a fucking w- yes. lake or whatever. Like, but why? Either way, she's
0: in the bottom of the lake. So maybe he's like, well, why get all these other people in trouble for an affair and this and that? And just, Oh, God, I don't know. So I was like, that's kind of interesting. But the other thing I thought of, like, if my friend was blackout drunk, I wouldn't carry her to a car outside and lay her in but some put random her guy's in this cottage. Yes.
1: All right. You're right. This is bullshit. Right. Like, yeah, who, would,
0: yeah, yeah. who does it? Like, oh, hold on. Let me bring you outside and put you in a car. I wouldn't put my friend in the backseat of a car if she was passed out drunk unless that person was taking her home.
1: I wonder what the family thought about that. Like, what they.
0: I don't know, but I, but yeah, so that's, wow. So what the family is like sort of hoping for like a deathbed confession that somebody is going to like reveal or have something come out. Like one of those, maybe people from the cottage. Right. Finally will come out to say like, Hey, this is what really happened, but we couldn't come forward, but why not come forward now?
1: Yeah. I don't know. It's so fucked up. Uh, He's died. He's, he's dead. Why not, why not do that?
0: Yeah. I don't know. But that's. That's the story, girl. <sighs> it's so fucking. It's, it's so awful. Fucked up.
1: But and but he had a successful life.
0: Well, like, that's nice. Someone died. I know. And so that's like when I'm you saying. say, "Is it worth it?" I say, "No." No, like he should be held responsible. I mean, yes. And, and I can't imagine that he was unable. How are you unable to get her out? Like the door didn't open. Like you slid out the window. Like can't you pull her through the same window? Maybe he couldn't get to the car. But then. If the cop was able to see the car submerged, they're not that deep. Why couldn't, you know, he get to the car? And if you brought two other friends with you, it's, it's all just, bad. It just he doesn't runs snout. past the fire
1: station. It's all yes, bad, Tina. Yes. You know, it, it unless is, they legitimately
0: all... just didn't know that this chick was in the back of the car. I have
1: never heard I that before, but I, also I know I was shocked when I read it. It's I was all like, like a what? cover up to protect power and money and, and. And political standing—it's so, and it's all—that's more valuable than someone's life.
0: Yes, and someone's life. So I don't know if you watched HBO Succession. Yeah,
1: I was gonna say this that, is that's exactly the scene, and that's
0: how this. the father now just like is able to completely manipulate. But you saw him. that
1: last scene of the last season, yeah? The son was like burning it down, and yes. that the press conference is a fucking. Ba- I watched that scene like five thousand times. Like so it and I was like, yeah, it's so good. Oh, and I like, love what's happening with that. Is that coming back? Did they film another season? Like what's happening? I, I feel know like COVID I, th- is th- going to st- stop all these new shows yes,
0: unless they can just put you know uh, markers on and maybe just have them act in masks and like embrace the COVID. Like that. They, I know. Oh, no, I that. need
1: this fantasy of, I no, know, COVID. of no COVID. COVID. <laughs> the no no COVID uh, fantasy.
0: I don't know. I, A lot of shows I think are put on hiatus.
1: Yeah. All or, right. Well, that's it. That was the story. Very good. I have that on my list. I will now scratch it off my list. <laughs> and I have so many other I know. new people I've learned I, watching, I, through, going through these stories. I actually
0: added a couple people to my list this week, too, that really? I was like, oh, this is, might be an interesting thing to do. Yeah. So. I love it. And now I'm off to the polls. Yes. That's where I'm going.
1: Go, I have to vote. I haven't done my <gasps> early voting yet.
0: Oh, I did mine.
1: I got to go do it.
0: I was so excited.
1: Oh, I, I'm really excited.
0: I really was, and I have to say that the polls, um, they they weren't busy. No, I mean it was the first day of early voting, and I went as soon as they opened, so it was pretty early in the morning, and um, it was it went. I'm gonna tell you something interesting. So when I went, they said make sure you sign your name as mm-hmm. close to how your license right. is, and that just scared me. 'Cause yeah. I'm like, oh, oh, is this what it's gonna be? People are gonna go, Oh, it's not the signature and they're gonna try to throw votes out that way.
1: I don't know. I'm so like I mean now this episode's coming out after the election. I'm just so fucking over it. I'm s i am just want answers. You I understand. Know. I want I answers. Uh and I want answers to the presidential election. I'm in so much Can fear I, listen, of what happens. Listen, I he doesn't win. I even. feel
0: like I need to buy just a stack of letters and stamps. And just do my part to try to help save the post office because mm. they, they, this whole thing that's happening with the post office is all about the mail and ballots. Yeah, and that is incredibly my frightening. mail slow
1: down. Does your mail slow down? And it's very infrequent. Like I'll have no mail for three or four days, and then all of a sudden I'll have a stack of mail. It's
0: it's it's. I talked to my mail person, my mail carrier, and you know I said, "Hey, I'm I support you," and and he was like, "Oh." Well, they have us uh, trying, you know, to work with different organizations to help them. Yeah. And he's like, thank you so much for your support. I mean, and what they did with that, we're going to pay all the pensions up front and basically bankrupt. It's, it is wild.
1: And well, my mother retired from the post office, so I'm, she's worried. She's worried about all of that. Her health insurance, her everything. It's all through the post office.
0: Oh my God. I know. Uh, All right. (sighs) Another day. Another battle that we gotta fight and worry about, <laughs> dear God. All right, I will see you soon. All right, bye. Bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our website, themuckpodcast.fireside.fm, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at themuckpodcast. To
1: support the Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for the Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Doherty.
0: Coming up next week on the Muck Podcast. Quote, he once preached a wedding in the morning and then turned around and sold the guest pocket knives out of the trunk of his car. He can sell anything to anyone. Oh, my god! Like, this is this guy. Like, he just got yeah. away.
1: They were married in 1887, and they had nine children Dang, together. Dang, that poor woman. Oh, my God. Could you oh imagine? Oh, my God. I can't. Uh, my grandmother had eights.
0: Oh, my God. I know. I'm like, That's how is much. the body even handle that? No. can't sit. Ugh. Oh. Okay. Dear God. <laughs> I